Listening to the PCAST, presented by CDE Light Band. Each week we take you around Austin P, the Athletics Department, and occasionally the OVC. Thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thanks to you, the listeners, who make us worth sponsoring. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin P podcast that's been suffering a little melancholia these last few days. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? I'm not so bad. Um, where to begin? These are, I mean, you know, for about four months now... Everything's been dead, which is unusual in and of itself. But this is the time of year when it's actually dead anyway. There is typically no one doing anything of any kind unless we're releasing a random schedule or a coach hiring. Just getting ready for media day, really. Just getting ready for media day, which is presently and unfortunately not really a thing. Not happening. I'm, I'm conflicted on the not having of the media days in the traditional sense because, one, it's always been kind of the herald of hey we're back about to kick into gear again let's get it to it but then also it is a lot of work and document creation and making of various and sundry different things for one day luckily for us too it's not a lot of travel not a lot of travel like, I well I, w- I wouldn't want to drive from jacksonville just for one day of well it would be one thing if we were that, but it would be one thing if we were not the uh, top program. Yeah, people might have forgot we uh, won the OVC championship last year. Yeah, there's that, and uh, getting to celebrate that and rub it in our colleagues' faces. It would have essentially just been a day to celebrate the governors in front of all the other losers that would have been there. Yeah, that would have been fun, and so that is that is my that is my conflict because usually I I find the event to be pretty boring, to- but we're. I'm I'm running from a history where we were you only didn't, you ever didn't enjoy getting announced as the last the, place team. Yeah, for the, the unanimous straight. Time. Yeah, the unanimous last place team. No, no sure, players. Don't, don't forget the unanimous. No players on preseason all conference. Nobody interested. People in don't even know our coach's name. Yeah, just say Who, what. Who's what, what loser did you guys bring in this time to coach for two years and then get fired? None of that. So I'm 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 missing the opportunity to finally not be the laughing stock. Could have like. Gerald could have kicked in the doors with the. Trailer. We're here. Could have Coach Loving's carry and Sergeant York above his head. No, wielded Blake. We'll let Blake carry Sergeant York. It's kind of heavy. Yeah. I mean, hey, love, love, love works out. Love works out. He I'm does. Trying stuff. to get the play. I'm trying to get Blake. It looked pretty intimidating with an offensive lineman Sergeant York above his head. I remember the photo of Max Ewalt running with it above his head onto the field when they finally got it. Yeah, that was pretty good. That, that was, was for good times. That was a fun time. Um. We do have some football stuff to talk about last week, and we'll start with something that's kind of important, and that's Josephus Smith. I'm not sure if anybody saw last week uh, on the letscompete.com website and on some social media avenues, but uh, Joe and his wife welcomed a daughter into the world back in May, but she's had some complications, and she's been in the hospital in Florida uh, basically for two months, and I I talked to him a little bit briefly today. Um, he wants to me to thank the people who have donated to help them out with their expenses uh, while they've been down there. And uh, I think good news is forthcoming. He was thinking that within a week they would be going home the last time I talked to him. And so uh, just continue prayers for the Smith family, uh, for little Madison. And uh, if you can help, I'm going to link to that uh, that ePay Austin P 
donation website, which is the only way that it is on the up and up to do this. Like you can't send him a GoFundMe or anything. It has NCAA to be and compliance approved. NCAA compliance approved through the ePay website that I will link to in the show notes. Elsewhere on football, staff changes. Whole lot of them. Whole bunch of them. Obviously with. Uh, Coach Marcus Loving's assuming the head coaching title. Uh, there had to be some shifting and some moving, and there was. Let's do the quick rundown before we dive too deep into everything, and that is Kavon Beckwith will be taking over as defensive line coach after assisting Coach Loving's there last year. Jordan Frazier uh, will move into an on-field role for special teams coordinator. Uh, Keith Scott, in a addition to his Nichols role, will also have some special teams coordination uh, duties and Cami Cole Nations, who was on-campus recruiting coordinator last year and genuinely one of our favorite people, will add director of football operations to her title for 2020. But the big one, I think, Chris Campbell, director of sports performance, will become the associate head coach for the Governors for 2020. And Casey has thoughts. I've done Literally no research, and there's no factual evidence behind you, this. You keep saying he's got to be the first one. He's got to he's, be the first one in the country. There's no research, no evidence. You, he has got to be the first ever sports performance or strength coach to be promoted to associate head coach of a football team. I'm not sure. I don't know. But uh, in the zero research that I've done, I'm willing to confirm that he is. Casey's method of research for this in its entirety has been to yell through the wall, Hey, do you think Campbell's the first strength coach to also become associate head coach of a football team? That's it. That's all the research he's done. I f- feel pretty confident that this is an actual first, but I have no uh, – short of calling every university and being like, hey – You ever had a strength coach be ever, your assistant head football coach? Yeah, y'all ever had your strength coach be your, your associate head, your number two? As strange it is, as it is, it's – the associate head coach spot is that's where you put the guy you trust the most. And if Coach Lovings has spent the most time around Coach Campbell, then that's who his number two should be. Well, I think it also gives Coach Campbell a lot of latitude in mm-hmm. how he does his job in that now he is only answerable to the head coach. It really does streamline his work with the players in the weight room right. to not really have to seek input or anything else from anybody else. It is Coach Lovings' way and Campbell – enacts that and he answers to him and him alone i think that's i think it's good i think it will give him a lot of a lot of freedom to do things the way he wants them done i think it'll work out well i like the other moves too um coach beck with he was we saw him last year he's just i like he's that dude. full of energy yeah he is he is a defensive line coach and yeah. i don't think the defensive line will have any problems going from coach lovings to him they're in good hands yeah i'm i'm really excited for frazier to get that on field role yeah he was great last year as the director of operations he helped a little bit but him getting that full-time on the field job he's gonna have the special teams going and i mean cammy's just gonna have that ship running over yeah, there yeah i mean as long as, of operations, as long as they business as long as they let cammy cook and stay out of her way she's gonna be she's gonna do great with that i mean clicking she, right she, along she's basically <laughs> right she's doing a lot of that stuff last year um and another staffing move, this one on the hardwood, the guys have added Rod Clark to round out the men's basketball staff for the upcoming year. Coach Clark comes to us from UIC where he spent last season. He's already got some ties to a couple of Austin P players uh, from his work with uh, Sunrise Christian Academy, which is where Carlos Paez came from, and also Mocan Elite in the EYBL, which had uh, 
Chino as well as uh, Corbin Merritt. So some familiarity there already with Coach Clark and a couple of our govs. Hey, did you see the NBA bubble? I just saw news about the NBA bubble pop up on my phone a second ago, too. Really? Yeah, something about Zion leaving the bubble. Oh, no. Ah. I don't love that. Pelicans forward Zion Williamson's exit is due to a family medical matter. Plans to rejoin the team at a later date. Still don't love... Like, the concept of the bubble is just... You can't... You're not supposed to leave the bubble. Yeah, I mean... And I'm sympathetic to... The idea of family matters being more concerning than playing basketball right now. I just think if you make the decision to go, you got to go. And I mean, what what would he come back for at this point? Are the Pelicans going to make the playoffs? Well, they might. The NBA is trying to get the Grizz out of that eight spot. They are. They don't want the Grizzlies in the playoffs. They don't. They don't want to see the grit and grind. Well, they if you're if it's Jaw or if it's. Zion, I mean... They're going to pick Zion. Yeah, I know which one. There's a reason there's four extra teams in the West. They want four different people to come in and beat the Grizzlies. Yeah. Well, and... I just... Okay, so he's going to... He's leaving. Right. He'll come back at a different time. After going around a family member who has a medical emergency, which for all we know, it could be... Right. Very good chance, I would imagine. But then you come back in quarantine for 14 days. Season's over. Basically. Unless you make the playoffs. And then even if you do make the playoffs, you've got to win round one. Do you feel like the Pels are making the playoffs without without Zion? I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't think Lonzo Ball is going to put up 30 a night and carry that team. I mean, Drew Holiday. Lonzo is really good at getting the ball to Zion. Drew Holiday and Brandon Ingram can fill it up, and maybe they can do that. But I just. If they do make the playoffs, they're going to be the eight. And who's the one? The Lakers? Or the the Clippers? The Lakers are the Clippers. Yeah. That team cannot beat either of those teams without Zion. No. They can barely beat them with Zion. Yeah, I mean, they'll be they'll be flying to take a game off of him even if they have him. Did you, you've seen the, the complaints about the food, right? I mean, the food, yeah. These, these I'm sorry. I, it's weird, too, because if you, like, a lot of Disney World has a lot of nice restaurants, and the food doesn't look like it's coming from them. Well, no, it, I mean, it, it, looks, it doesn't, but also it still looks perfectly It looks fine. fine. Uh Rajon Rondo calling it Motel 6. just It's an indication Rajon Rondo hasn't spent much time in any Motel 6. It's a very nice hotel. And one of, I read a tweet. It was like, uh, for the a family from Milwaukee, it's a super nice hotel. From NBA guys who are used to staying at the nicest hotel in every city, it might not be what they're used to. They just have to adjust. Guess what? We're but, not used to anything no, that's happening no, I right know. now. No, the, then the tweet went on to say, don't feel bad for them. They'll, they'll adjust and they'll be fine. But, I mean, they have... I mean, they've modified those rooms. You can see where they took out the second bed in all the rooms, and they put in couches and chairs for them. They've got big king beds in there. They're they are perfectly fine. I mean, they're getting to live at Disney World. Well, that's probably not as cool as you think it is when nothing's actually happening. I guess they can't. I mean, Disney World's open. I guess they can't go to the parks, though. Yeah, you can't. No. That'd and break the bubble. If you're going to Disney World right now. You're, no, just don't. I don't know a lot about hockey either. I saw the hockey bubble had their hotel assignments up yesterday, though. Did you not? See, did you see this? I don't guess I saw the hotel assignments. So they had, part. so they had like all the, the eastern hotels. They had one hotel that had like eight or nine teams, and they had Hotel X. That's the name of it. It's a hotel in Toronto. Uh, I looked it up. Apparently, all the teams they put in that just hate each other. It was the Flyers, the Penguins, the Capitals, the Lightning. And one other team up in that area in the Northeast. Um, 
Yeah, Tampa Bay, the part of the Northeast we all remember. Well, so. no, but so Tampa, it was Tampa Bay, Penguins, Flyers, Capitals, and somebody else. And apparently the five teams they put in there just fight all the time. And apparently Hotel X is just going to be a... It's like Fight Island. Yeah, it's going to be Fight Island. Someone was saying, I need, I need cameras going all the time in Hotel X because they're going to be dropping the gloves at the breakfast bar in the morning. That would be fun. No, it'd be very fun. I, I would like to see this. You know, hockey's Ovech, a- Ovechkin gets really upset when someone cuts in front of him for the bacon and just drops them. Hockey's the last sport that like has some can have some real long-standing animus. Like, oh, they hate each other. In the NBA, like these guys come into the league and they've been playing against and with each other for basically their entire lives. They're all friends. But in football ho- players are all friends. Baseball and hockey. I mean, in baseball too, it's just like a you'll, bit. you'll you'll boil over for a weekend, but it'll cool down. You'll eventually drop the gloves and run out and have the Reds Pirates brawl, and then but, everything's fine, I guess. But hockey, like, I feel like James Neal would drop Sidney Crosby in a heartbeat right now because of the 2016 Stanley Cup Finals. Well, these dudes are still mad about things that happened in college. Like, if you watch Miracle, like, one of the first scenes is the guy's ready to fight because some guy hooked him and took his national championship shot away t- four years ago. I like that kind of petty. No, I, I like I, I like, I I like hockey sports. players. Ang- I like the angry hockey players. I want I want to fight at the breakfast bar. I want that in my sports, honestly. It makes them more fun. Speaking of fun... Casey and I are going to shut up now so we can have more fun by talking to Sarah Emily Woodward of the Austin P. Track and Cross Country coaching staff right after this. Athlete to coach Sarah Emily Woodward has become a staple of the Austin State University track, field, and cross country program. She departed us for a year to go cut her teeth in coaching at Cameron, and now she's back and she is leading us to new heights in the cross country realm. And we're thrilled to have her both back in the family and here today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm very excited. Um, you know, for most of us, some human interaction is always nice when we're in the middle of a pandemic, so this is really exciting. Yeah, the opportunity to get out of the house is pretty good most days. Yes. What was it like to be Coach Valerie Brown's first hire? To know that she held you so highly regarded that she wanted to bring you back as her first order of business, basically. Yeah, so first and foremost, it was definitely like truly an honor. She is somebody that I have looked up to from the day I met her. Um, She was a part of my recruiting process, so I've known her since 2014. Um, had the opportunity to learn from her so much. She's somebody that even as a student athlete, I knew I wanted to be like her in so many ways as a coach. Um, So... When I uh, got a call and it was, hey, would you like, are you still in grad school? And I said, you know, yeah, I am. I'm still in grad school, but I, and I was not actively seeking other positions because I was supposed to go back to Cameron. Um, It was a two-year program uh, as a GA, but 
the opportunity to work for her was something I was willing to I was more than willing I was like absolutely like I will whatever you need me to do I'm going to do my best to nail this interview and just make sure that I do everything I can to get this position so it has been truly a blessing and an honor to be hired by someone as admirable as her so the transition from running competitively to coaching does it is it different than a typical transition from athlete to coach because you still go out and run all the time I've seen I see you do it <laughs> yes so um fortunately running is like something um you know there are sports such as football that can't be exactly lifelong sports um fortunately running is one of those things that is a lifelong sport running is something for me that at the end of the day I can go do and it just relaxes me um but so the transition from being an athlete to a coach was definitely an interesting one I had um approximately two months before I was like full-blown like I had graduated in May and then uh, August 1 essentially I had moved out to Oklahoma and I was coaching um, so that was a really cool opportunity for sure and something that like I didn't take it lightly like I knew it was you know a good opportunity for me to get my foot in the door and one of the people well, two of the people that I credit with my ability to get my door and my foot in the door for coaching so early was um, my coaches in college, um, Coach Brown and Coach Molnar. They um, kind of took me under their wing from the time I told them that I wanted to be a college coach and said, okay, this is what you need to do. These are the steps you need to take, which is something that I know not every student athlete that wants to be a coach is fortunate enough to have. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I would say for about three months like the whole cross country the whole first cross country season every time I like would go to the line to like help my girls and stuff I definitely missed it like I was like man I wish I was like in uniform like ready to go whatever um did you catch yourself like looking down like wait what am I doing yes yes so I'm, many times I, I'm not mm. I'm not ready to run oh my gosh it's <laughs> yes. like having that dream for the test you didn't study for exactly exactly and um actually the first meet we went to an official was um, like the starter, uh, he came up to me and he's like, are you a first year coach? He just knew, he just, he could tell. And um, I have definitely fallen in love with coaching. Absolutely love it. But there was definitely a period of like, oh my gosh, I just have that, I like, I want to be a part of that again. But, and I think that's one of the reasons that I did fall in love with coaching is because I still get to be a part of it in a different way, but for sure getting that opportunity to be there and do all of that, so. At Cameron, you were part of a lot of firsts. Yes. <laughs> Getting a program off the ground, like how just not everybody's going to have that experience and definitely not going to have that experience as part of their first coaching job. Just what was that like? It was very interesting. So um, prior to my um, like me entering, the only thing they had was men's cross country. So my first year, we added men's track, we um, added women's cross country, and we added women's uh, track. So, and I got to be a part of like the first women's program. I was the first female coach for the cross country and track program there. That was really amazing experience. Um, some of the things that I learned very quickly was I did not realize the different, how much these college kids grow from the time they are freshmen till they are seniors. Like, and I think part of that comes from the fact that I had just come out of college myself, 
but you don't realize the difference in the maturity level <laughs> between a freshman and a senior, I think, until you're like a coach and you're really in it. Um, fortunately for me, I was kind of like prepped my senior year. Um, just uh, the coaches didn't necessarily force me into a leadership role, but they encouraged me. And um, I was able to take that on. Uh, my senior year actually at Austin P, I was the only senior distance person um, so it was, everybody was new except for Immaculate Kiplagat. She had been there a semester before me and then the entire distance squad was new. So it was the only person that had been there for like a while. And so that definitely helped me, hindsight 2020. That was like a huge part of, I think, why I was able to go there and, you know, successfully, you know, be a coach there for the first time. And one of the things that I found the most interesting about a first-year program was all of these kids came from different high schools. There, we didn't have a single kid who, you know, knew another one. So getting them to mesh really well because it was – you always get new kids, but to have an entirely new group of people that had never known each other before was an interesting task for sure. And kind of like having some of them – you know, we had a few transfers and pushing them to, hey, like, encourage the freshmen be a leader um showing them like how they could be a leader in a first year program because i think that so many student athletes don't really know that until they're in it because it's a first and really only a one-time experience typically so it's interesting you talking about the the maturity and the growth because I think you're going to find, especially as you go deeper and deeper into coaching, that you start to really get a much better sense of that. When you have, like, when you have your first four-year class here, you are going to be amazed at the growth because yes. I've, I've gone through a couple of cycles now of the actual full four years, and it's like these are different people, mm -hmm. like entirely different people when they come out. Yeah, and it's it's impressive to see what some of them do with the four years that they get here and how they have the self-transformation basically mm -hmm. you're one of those people oh thank I mean, you so much you, you, I you you yeah. you were this meek tiny mm -hmm. freshman yep who blossomed into this leader that you are now thank you yes and that's one of the things I definitely accredit to Austin P was giving me leadership options and opportunities to know that I had the confidence to go out and be a coach after school for sure the opportunity to return home how important was that to you? It was huge. So I went from being 13 hours away from home, home to being an hour and a half. Um, my, I'm originally from Bowling Green, Kentucky, um, which is about an hour and a half drive. Depending on the day, you can make it in an hour. Depends, <laughs> depends on where the cops are hiding on that yeah. particular stretch of pavement. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so definitely um, that was really awesome. But to me at this point, this is my fifth year of living in Clarksville, going on six, um, because I will be coming back, obviously. Um, but that has been a huge blessing for sure. Um, being an hour and a half from my family. And then also to me, Clarksville is my second home like it is. And I've didn't I don't think when I came in my freshman year, like I knew it was going to be such a special place to me, but it truly has been. Um, and one of the things that I think makes it feel like a second home is that when, so this time last year, yeah, around like July 1, I accepted the position, I was hired, um, and the, just the outreach that I got from so many people in support of my decision was incredible. And I just knew like, 
I knew all along, like, this is where I needed to be, um, if the opportunity arose, but then, you know, the affirmations I got from people just reconfirmed everything. So part of your leadership development while you were here, I feel like tied directly into your involvement with SAC and how that grew during your time here. Just how important is that program to student athletes as they want to become leaders and, and broaden their horizons? Right. Absolutely. So, um, fortunately, yes, I was able to be the secretary of SAC and it has been something that taught me so much more than I ever expected it to. Um, Ryan Combs came in a few years ago and he has completely developed that program into something that has taught student athletes how to be leaders, how to organize events, how to become, how to get people to do things. As simple as that sounds, like it can be so hard just getting people to do things. You can't just (laughs) present people the opportunity. You have to explain to them why they should take the opportunity. And Combs has done a tremendous job of doing that, but he couldn't do it without buy-in from student athletes. Right. And one of the things that I think he was he played such an integral part because he empowered us. He said, you know, I trust you to do this. And I think that leaders that have the ability to empower the people that are underneath them and not necessarily micromanage, so to speak, are the ones that can be the most successful. Um, So Combs did a very good job of empowering all of us um, to be able to do that. One of the things that we really got up and off the ground was Mental Health Awareness Week. Mackenzie Dixon played a major role. She spearheaded that movement. And fortunately for me, I was here to be able to help her with that for two years. And I give her so much props because it wasn't easy. It was not easy at all. And a lot of that was like that was her baby like she just made that and made it thrive and it's so important for student athletes to be you know healthy whether that's physically mentally anything like they need that so well it's done a tremendous job of drawing that conversation about your mental health and awareness of your mental health from this taboo nobody talks about it thing and placing it in the forefront and sparks conversation around here Mm -hmm. and it's much needed conversation so you guys did like you said Mackenzie but all of you did a tremendous job with that thank you so much 2020 has had some highs and lows for everybody but for you we you won a championship yes and everybody was fired up about it and then we didn't do anything else afterwards Mm -hmm. because of COVID. Just how weird is that? It was very weird. Um, I'll never forget when I would say I was at the championship and my mom actually texted me and she said, hey, coronavirus is getting pretty serious. Like, just make sure you're being self-aware and stuff. I'm Whatever, be- mom. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I was like, mom, I'm not worried about that. Like, I'm worried about the championship right now. Um, and then, sure enough, we come back. The girls get their week off for, um, or young women, young women get their week off for uh, after a championship. And then they go on spring break, and we never see them again. Like it was, I mean, definitely just like I miss them. I miss them every day. I miss the guys' team too. But it's been a whirlwind of just, you know, craziness. And I don't know how much uh, people know about the championship. But it came down to one point. Like, it was the craziest thing. And if you don't mind, I'd love to tell the 4 by 4 story. Of course, because okay. I love the 4 by 4 story. <laughs> okay, so um, 
obviously like the championship started out with Dania Hill Tate just taking it by storm and doing things that she was not expected to do by the seating necessarily. She was definitely capable of it. We all knew it was just a matter of her proving to herself and she did that. And I think that's the thing that really like got us going. That was like, the catalyst for everything. When exactly. we did that web series with everybody, uh, gosh, it feels like four lifetimes ago now, but I think it was like two months. Mm-hmm. That that was the, the story that everybody told was like, she got us started. What she did early on set this tone for the whole meet. Exactly. So her ability to do that and then just throughout the entire championship, like you could not sit down for a second because we had, you know, I feel like a lot of programs might be a really strong distance program or they might be a really strong jumps program or something. Our girls jumps, sprints, everything like something was going on, like somebody was doing something. Um, We had a triple jumper, um, Jessica, she had done triple jump like never like started it about a month prior scored at the OVC championship truly incredible um and that to me is definitely like she had a background in jumping but that takes a lot of determination to know that you can you're gonna do that and fight for that um but so it came down to the four by four um and we had just finished up and Maya had just won and Lennox had come in a close I like right behind, um, and I believe she got third. Yep. And she, uh, we calculated the points after that. And I'll never forget, uh, Coach Brown called me, and the points were so close the whole time. And I would love to know, like, if any other coaches have been in a similar situation where we did not know the score. We did not know what the score was. We Because it was so close, they weren't updating us. So, um we actually were trying to calculate it in our head and my Perry Grimes mom came up to us and she said if Lennox did this and then you have the points from Maya and then you have the points from Jessica this is the score and one of the Murray coaches actually I just looked at her and I was like what are we looking at and she said it's whoever wins the four by four so that's when we knew um you know and I called coach Brown back and I said it's you got to get them ready like it's whoever runs the four by four and if anybody has paid attention to track and field in the past uh, nine years, they know that Valerie Brown has a we, killer four we, by four. We own four by four. Yeah. Yes. Like she um, has done so well with the four by four teams in our school's history and continues to do that as she showed at the OVC championship. Um, so we had Elena go off. And I think one of like, the most nerve-wracking things is the f- in the four-by-four four that you think can go wrong as a coach is just false starting. So as a you know, we're sitting there and we're like, as long as Lane gets out of the box, we're gonna be good. We're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Little did I know. <laughs> there, there is that baton pass that can be. Yes. So um, we were. I mean, Lane took off. Then it goes to Sabrina. We're good. We're doing great. Um, uh, if you've paid attention to the 400 at all this past few years, you know that Sabrina Richmond is a beast. Yeah. Um, she has dominated the OVC in the 400 for ever since she got here, which has been great. Um, and then we handed off to Kyra Wilder, who was freshman of the year last year. She has done an amazing job. Um, and like, we're like, oh my goodness, this 
Here it's we going go. so yeah. great. Everything's going perfectly. <laughs> and then, of course, <laughs> they couldn't make it easy for us. I will never forget the um, feeling of when that baton went down. And so the way that Kyra landed, um, people, you know, people that might not know about track and field and stuff, when you drop a baton, you have to be very strategic because you cannot interfere with anybody else or then you are disqualified. The baton also cannot fall off the track. And on a bank track, that's pretty, pretty good hard. Odds. Yeah, pretty good odds that that thing's flying off. Um, so Kyra actually, she falls and um, she's handing off to Kenesha Phillips, who likes to call herself Flash. She, she definitely proved herself that day. Um, but when she hands it off, she falls and essentially like half of her body's on the track, half of it's off. And she somehow manages to grab the baton before it falls off the track, hands it to Kanisha without interfering anybody, and then she literally tucks and rolls off the track before somebody runs up on her. And oh my! And it was. It was I, I've watched this a couple of times now, mm-hmm. and it is as good a feat of athleticism as anything that you're actually being scored on. Because exactly. to do that in a split second, like that's mm-hmm. all reflex. Yes. And, you know, as a coach, I think I was just sitting there and I was like, oh, my, how does this happen? (laughs) Like, we are so close. And I remember the way that the um, Birmingham facility, which is where we were running in Birmingham, Alabama, the way the crossplex is laid out, you know, with indoor facilities, it's very minimal to where how close spectators can get. Um, So as coaches, we're really the only ones that can get there. And somehow a Murray coach ended up standing beside all of the Austin P coaches. So you just see this complete opposite effect essentially of like, you know, me going, Oh no. And then Murray just like, yes, let's go. Like, this is our shot. Kanisha Phillips came in and just took it by storm. Um, and to be honest, like, and I've said this multiple times. Um, if there was anybody that was going to grab that baton the last leg, it had to be Kanisha. It had to be Kanisha. Um, and it's funny, a week before the OVC championship, she sent a video in our like team group message. And she said, no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how much pain you're in, if you push through it, we can win. Well, she, she lived She's up right. to it. She lived up to it. And um, I just, I'll never forget, you know, when we, when she caught her in the last 10 meters. I mean, you saw it. Like, yeah. It was close. The, the, the look of surprise on the Murray girl's face was like, I thought I left mm-hmm. you in the dust. What's happening here? <laughs> yes, they did not see it coming. Um, and when I got over to Kanisha, because, you know, I, I don't think – I think Coach Brown was just standing still. Like, she was just in shock. And then uh, Coach TJ and I were just running. Like, we were just running around, like, trying to get to the girls. And I got to Kenesha, and the first thing I said was – and I had told her the first day she got on campus and she told me her name was Flash. I said, I'll call you that if you prove it to me. <laughs> and that's exactly what I told her. I said, you proved it. Um, it You're she Flash. proved it all season. Oh, my But, gosh. yes, definitely, that was just – 
And to be honest, like, I think if you looked at how close, I think there's been one other championship that's been a closer scoring championship. But it, it didn't come down to the last. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was as close as any any championship, like, across all sports. Mm-hmm. That the result was just as close as any of I've, I've ever yes. seen. Yes. Kanisha, just because you brought her up and because right. you've seen a ton of the supremely talented sprinters we've had come through here over the years she is really really special she is um so fortunately um you know I feel like there are some track and field programs that don't necessarily like the not all the student athletes know all the coaches and by that I mean you know as a distance coach some programs they don't even know the you know jumpers and they don't even know the sprinters fortunately for like our staff like we make a point of making sure we know every single athlete on the team um and I got the opportunity to work with Kanisha throughout the season and also in study hall um so part of my uh position my first year was I got to work in study hall with Katie Etheridge um with a few of the teams on campus uh tennis softball and then track and field cross country that was a really good opportunity but Kanisha was in study hall. So we um, definitely formed a really tight bond in study hall and just helping her with everything. She is from Guyana. She came to us last year and it has just been an incredible experience since. She is one of those people that you might be having the worst day. Like you might be having the worst day, but you, if you see Kanisha, you're not gonna be able to not have a smile and a laugh on your face when you walk away. Um, she is just, one of those people that has the ability to spread joy and happiness to whoever she talks to. And she might be having the worst day too. You wouldn't know it though. So let's talk about the opportunities that the track and cross programs are going to get with this new indoor facility, because it's going to be, it's going to be huge for everybody, but it's, everybody's going to get their different uses out of it. What do you envision it doing for your programs? So definitely for, um, specifically distance you know you have these times especially in the winter when it can be hard or you know sometimes you get injured athletes and they need to be on a soft surface well sometimes running around a football field and trying to dodge footballs is not the best way to do that (laughs) um fair so that'll be nice for sure um to use that now on the sprint side i think it's going to do even more for them um it so in my time like you've mentioned I was a student athlete here um and we have to put it in perspective so you know how the Duns laid out the glass doors at the front we would our coaches would take ropes and tie the backs of those together to open them up so the girls could run through there and you know for these women to reach like top speed in the Dun I mean you've seen a track like it's just not not the same not yet. Not, not just, even remotely the same. Mm-mm. It's just not going to happen. And the opportunity to have an alter field and, you know, Mr. Harrison's direction with this has just been so huge to our program and everything. It is going to take so much less stress off their bodies. Um, these girls are pounding the floor. You know, we've used the red barn. We've used the dun. Um, even, you know, the top of the dun where it's like this square, right, mm-hmm. that you can run around. Um, on all, on yeah. all concrete. And it's not mm-hmm. great for your knees over an extended period. No. And I remember doing that as a distance athlete when it was negative 12 degrees outside. And 
So I think that the turf facility is going to be huge. Um, also for hurdle drills, like hurdle drills are just not something you can really do on a basketball arena floor. It's just not going to work out no. well. You're going to end up um, injured, falling, slipping. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the opportunity for turf for the hurdlers as well is going to be awesome. Uh, it's just going to do a lot for us, especially in the winter when our, you know, I think that we have the highest injury rate, I would say, in my opinion, is going to be coming into indoor season. Um, we had multiple girls out for the OVC championship. Um, Tamithia Tolbert, she yeah. was out, and she could have been a huge factor for us for sure. But just the amount of injuries that can plague, you know, track because of running on surfaces that are not ideal is something that is not ideal for a program at all, any program. And now that we have, we were able to win a, you know, a championship without it, but I can't imagine what these, how much the, these women are going to set the world on fire once they have the ability to have an altar facility. Well, and I think that's part of what makes the win this year even more impressive is we don't have an indoor facility Mm -mm. to work in at all. And just making it work with everything, like you said, in terms of training, it's just, it makes it that much more impressive. Yes, absolutely. And um, I know they are very excited. The team is so excited about it. And like you said, it's just, it's going to take us to new heights for sure. What is your favorite word? Favorite word? Determination. What is your least favorite word? Snake. Who or what inspires you? Can I have multiple people? Sure. Okay. Definitely my parents. Um, They taught me from the beginning. It's work ethic. Like, if you work hard, you can achieve anything you want. Um, And so, shout out to Ann and Bill Woodward. (laughs) I know they'll listen. Um, And then, uh, as far as, like, so a celebrity influence would definitely be Beyonce. I like to channel her a lot. And then... (laughs) Um, fortunately for me, like I said, you know, my parents who I get to talk to all the time and then, um, TJ pride and Valerie Brown, they are, you know, Valerie Brown, like I've mentioned before, got, gotten to see her and admired, admired her ability to be not only a coach, but such a good leader to these women and men on our team and TJ pride, because he is somebody that he knows what he wants and he goes after it in terms of coaching and you know if you look at our jumps we had a historically high uh, amount of points scored in the jumps and he was one event away from sweeping the jumps that is something that is unheard of and I have you know so much admiration for his drive and willingness he you know you'll catch him in the office being the first person there and the last person to leave so What is the last book you read for fun? So the last book I read for fun was Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I'm really into sports books, so it's interesting. I like to read a lot of gymnastics books. (laughs) Yeah. If I like, if I could be any other athlete, it would be a gymnast. Did you try to be a gymnast? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I failed. Didn't go that well. No, no. (laughs) What is your worst habit? Ooh. Worst habit is, like, I'd have to say impatience. Like, I can get, like, so impatient about timeliness. Like, I'm really big on being on time. If you're not five minutes early, you're late. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. What app on your phone gets the most use? 
Okay, so is this pre-quarantine or like... Both. <laughs> so pre-quarantine, probably Twitter. Um, I definitely enjoy Twitter. And then now since quarantine, I hate to admit it. I love watching TikToks. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, I know. It's horrible. I don't make them, but I'm, like, fascinated by Oh, so you're, you're one of these people who's lurking on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay. I've, eventually, I'll get the fascination. It just hasn't happened yet. What is your worst habit? Worst habit? I would say mm, biting my nails. 100%. It's just something I haven't been able to, like, not do. What's the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Ooh. So, last year when I was uh, at Cameron University, we were going to our meet in Colorado, uh, Denver, Colorado, the regional championships. And I was driving. Um, there you had, like, school buses, essentially, that you the university used and the coaches drove. I was driving and there was a deer on the highway and he was in the middle lane. So I switched and then he came into that lane. And yes, um, that was the first time I saw full mom mode, Sarah Emily, like, don't get me wrong. I am not a mom yet. Um, so much respect for moms, but I went full mom mode and like the girls were standing up. They were like, what's going on? And I was like, sit down sitting like we're on the middle of a highway I'm trying to get back on people are swerving and I was just so like I, it was that was probably the most terrifying situation because I knew like you know my team's lives were in my hands um for sure and then another girl the next day was texting as she was crossing the street and we're in downtown Denver staying how much of a good idea does that sound? Bad. Not good. Yeah. And sure enough, this car is just coming up on her, and I literally ran out in the street and pulled her back. Like, I was I was screaming her name, and it was she was in her own little world. And so pretty much, I would say, like, that trip was just not for me. Yeah, so you're not, you're, we're not scheduling anything out in Colorado anytime soon is what I'm hearing. Beautiful place, but terrifying experiences there. You got, you sounds like you get a little bit of P PTSD from the, the Rocky Mountain State. <laughs> yes. What is your idea of happiness? Uh, so, this is going to sound like, I don't know, kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mentioned I work study hall. Um, and so a lot of times what I do is, you know, the kids will get out of workouts at like six o'clock. I'll go work out for an hour. Then I go over to study hall, um, till nine. And to be honest, like at the end of the day, when I'm walking back from the Dunn center to Forterra and I'm walking across Forterra stadium, like I just, I enjoy that so much. And it's just, just you, like, it's just you, it's all yes. quiet. And it's like the culmination of like. A job I love and being around people that I love and care about and you know knowing that I have so much support behind me and just like walking across that field and knowing I'm exactly where I want to be is probably like that's when I'm just like I'm my happiest so what's your idea of misery mm, misery okay probably having to run okay so I come from a distance background like, I ran the 10K, 5K. My idea of misery would 110% be having to go through one of Coach Brown's workouts 
in a hundred degree heat. I hate running in the heat. I have passed out in the heat. So running one of Coach Brown's workouts in heat for sure. What makes you self-conscious? Mm. I would say, okay, so I would say sometimes feeling like I'm very, like I've been in situations where I've been in like coaches meetings prior to um, like a race for cross country and stuff. And I have definitely gotten like, why is an athlete out here? And I'm like, hmm, well, I'm in jeans and uh, a polo. I'm actually a coach. But it's, you know, just feeling like I'm too young to do this sometimes. That's when I've definitely – and that was, like, my first few experiences. And then I just kind of was like, you know what? Like, I think working for Coach Brown, one of the best things she's done is empower me and told me, like, I trust you with this position. Like, you're here for a reason. So trusting that. But definitely I felt self-conscious those first few – coaches meetings when it was like people were like uh this is a coaches you, meeting you let the child in here why is there a child <laughs> in here yes what's the most embarrassing song you love oh gosh um this is back in the day sarah emily was obsessed with high school musical oh boy so get your head in the game by troy bolton <laughs> Ooh. yes how would you prefer to die? Mm. In my sleep, but at the beach. Like, I want to be at the beach, yeah. Like. Not necessarily having to sleep on the beach, but, like, if I was on vacation. Like, okay, let's say I knew, like, I got a week to live. I'm going to North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I just hope I pass away in my sleep in that beach house. Like. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Does it have to be an animal? No. So it can be a human? Sure. Like another human? Um, there are no rules for this. You do okay. whatever you want. <laughs> okay. Then either Blake Lively or Beyonce. Two good choices. <laughs> what might prompt you to lie? Mmm. I would say, like, if I know they've lied to me. Like, I wouldn't feel bad about it, honestly. Like, if I know somebody, like, is, you know, a perpetual liar. Like You, if, you got no problem lying to them, then? Turn if about, it's a consistent thing. Turn about you know? fair play at that point? Mm -hmm. That's fair. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? Good people. Um, 100% uh, good people. I, you know, some of my closest friends, for sure. Um, Nia Gibbs-Francis who had, you know, a major role at Austin P has done so much. Um, she gives me hope. She is such an inspiration. Gretchen Roche, who was a pole vaulter at Austin P. Um, and even, you know, my friends from home. I have friends who are going into research how to uh, put a spectrum on autism. One of my friends, Rachel Wolf, is doing that. Um, I have a friend who just finished a double major and her graduate degree at the age of 23 in chemistry and biology uh vanessa and Gosh. yeah it's just people like that for sure you're friends with a lot of smart people <laughs> yes i don't know how i got in but <laughs> we're just gonna like own it right and then um the kids i work with like they just give me so much inspiration for sure 
What is our purpose in life? I think it's whatever you're called to do in terms of where God puts you. Um, I for sure know that, you know, God put me out in Oklahoma for a year. God put me back at Austin P for a reason, like, and just, uh, being intentional with everything you do. Now, I'm not saying that when I sit there and watch Netflix, I'm being intentional with my time necessarily, (laughs) but, um, you know, every day making sure that somebody knows that you care, like, and I think that plays a major role into coaching for sure. Regardless of who it is, what is one question you'd ask the next guest? Their favorite Beyonce song. What's yours? School and Life. It's it's, it's an un, it's not like a very popular one, but the deep cuts are often the best. Yes, yes. So you are still at the dawn of your coaching career. What are you hoping to get out of it at the end of the day? like my goal with coaching is to see these student athletes grow not only as athletes but as people I want to know that every you know kid that goes through um, a program that I'm a part of leaves a better human like they come in and they you know learn so much and they grow and that's one of the things about like I think you know and you know as well as I do, like college athletics is not the easiest thing in the world. Your hours are not normal. Your life is not normal. But what makes it so worth it is something as simple as like a conversation with a kid, seeing these kids, you know, do something that you didn't think was possible. Um, And for example, like Molly Howard and Laren Har both got into the nursing program here this year. And if people know anything about the Austin P nursing program, that is tough. That like, is not easy to do. That's not easy yes. to do if you're just a nursing student and then you throw being a student athlete on top mm-hmm. of it. And I think, like, the one of the last athletes we had do it who – she's amazing, Natalie Norville. Um, and she's um, a nurse now and has just done so well with it. But seeing things like that and just knowing that these kids are achieving their career goals, you know, obviously I want to see them achieve their athletic goals. I'm not going to deny that, definitely. But knowing that they get to go out and achieve their career goals is huge to me. You know, usually when I ask that question, it winds up being, the answer winds up being about what the whoever I'm interviewing's career goals are. It's really refreshing to have somebody make the answer about what their student-athlete's goals are. That's just, oh, yeah. that's just a different perspective on it that we don't often get. Well, Sarah Emily, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day. Um, I know that this is all weird and odd and absolutely no fun whatsoever right now but i appreciate you coming well thank you for having me Thanks, Sarah Emily, for coming on, spending some time with us this week. Uh, always fun to get that perspective of a, a student athlete coming back to be a coach as well. Now we've had it two weeks in a row. That's pretty cool. Um, Casey, it is 
It's time for our favorite weekly segment. <laughs> Apartment update. Uh, there's there's no update on the hole in the ceiling or the uh, the fixing of the drywall where the leak was, but the AC has decided it was going to freeze up again like it did two weeks ago. So uh, there's there's ice on the AC and uh, it won't cool below 74 right now. So. July's a good time for that to happen. Hooray! Good, good times, good times all around. I, I am more invested in the story of the things that are going wrong at your apartment than I am in anything happening in just, sports right now. I just, I just want it fixed. I just, I just want my living room to be normal. But I'm genuinely starting to think that you will move out before everything gets fixed. Like your lease will be up and you will get the a lease different is place. Up, technically, we're month to month now. Oh really? Yeah, Byers and Harvey does a one year lease, and then you're month to month after that. Oh. So, uh, so you could just excavate yourself from this situation at any point if you wanted to. It's such a good location. I don't want to. Mo- I've lived in a different dwelling every single. I lived in the dorms. I moved into my first apartment. I moved across the street at that apartment. I moved into a house, and then I moved into this apartment. It would be my sixth dwelling in six years if I moved again, and I don't want to. You don't have anything though. You have like a chair and a PlayStation, and no, I've accumulated stuff over. Well, five years like I like, well then you're a fool I mean I can I can move in a day I could pack everything up in a day I just I really don't want to well, I, I don't enjoy moving I guess enjoy uh, sweating to death I figure I'm gonna have to move at the end of this year anyway after I finished a master's and this whole thing is internship thing so uh, I don't want to do it again before then fingers crossed maybe maybe we'll be able to hire you full-time and you can get a get an actual house i can move into a place with a ceiling that's not has a hole maybe you won't have to spoon with remy anymore well that's never happened but okay me thinks you doubt the chest too much (laughs) anyway major league baseball is allegedly going to re-enter our lives next week they're gonna do it i don't know like i know that they keep having their interest squads and they keep saying that they're gonna start they're gonna give it the old college try and then people keep opting out i am i am firmly in the i will believe it when i see it i I, I want to see it i desperately want to see it i'm bored to tears i I just want i mean i just need the reds to win the world series it's gonna happen we just need the season to start yeah i said it Mm-hmm. Yeah, you also said that uh, Mike Soroka would be no better than the fourth starter on the Reds, too. So you well, I mean, you said he was better than Sonny Gray, who's the I opening day starter for the future World Series champions. I do say that he's better than Sonny Gray. I feel pretty that good is, about that. That is where you're wrong. Um, since you brought up the World Series, do you think it would be tainted if the Reds won it this year, or are you still going to party for uh, the straight? People that think it will be tainted. Are welcome to come catch these hands. <laughs> People who think it'll be tainted are fans of like the pirates who have no shot. Right, they can come, and I will fight anyone who wants to put an asterisk next to the Reds' 2020 World Series championship. Um, I will celebrate no matter what. You might not see me for like a week. Um, That'll be quite relaxing, depending on what it is, I suppose. That that would be during what is ostensibly crossover season. No, you can't disappear for a week. Okay, well. Fine, I'll celebrate in the office. I'm. I'm not sure. I want to know what that looks like. <laughs> There's just I'm just rolling in with champagne at eight a.m. Casey shirtless and spraying champagne all over people <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning. Welcome to work. Woo! 
just me and Combs. I'll be, it'll be me and Combs celebrating his office because uh, anybody that wants to fight us can come down there and meet us, and we will take any and all, any and all comers. <laughs> I just signed her up. <laughs> and what? Now I'm kind of curious. What? What? What is the name of your uh, your tag team duo there? What? What are you and Combs the 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 nation of? domination or <laughs> i don't know we're defending the reds honor so uh uh i don't know we're i mean we're really defending just fighting defending the reds anybody honor. that wants to put an asterisk next to the reds 2020 world championship that's what we're fighting about i don't know if we're a tag team duo we're just setting the record straight <laughs> just two sad sad people casey had some trouble registering for his classes at liberty which we try not to bring up on this podcast very often because it's not austin p related and boo and or hiss but this seems like a pretty hilarious uh, goof. So there's, um, so it's a so when you get a you register when you sign up for a program you get a degree completion plan right and it tells you what classes you should take and when you should take them. So on the degree completion plan I got there's a class called SMGT Sports Management 600, which is a comprehensive exam that tests all your knowledge about all the core courses you took, and you take it. It tells you to take it in the fourth semester at the same time as your internship class, which is the last class in the program. So I'm looking up some stuff about it yesterday as I was going to register for it, and you have to email the department. And I was reading it. I was like, well, this is class is a prerequisite for the internship class. I was like, that's weird because you can't take a prerequisite at the same time as the other class. Not with that attitude. Well, you're, so I emailed him. I was like, hey, what do I need to do? They're like, oh, I'll just get a prerequisite override. This is the department telling me that from academic services, and you'll be good to go. So I call academic services, and they – like oh yeah no problem you'll get this blah 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 so they do the prerequisite override they send it to the department like ah it takes 72 hours to get an answer usually they'll be in touch an hour later denied the prerequisite override just straight up denied and i called academic services they're like oh we didn't expect that to happen since they're the ones who told you to get it in the first place um very confused at this point but the the long story short is they're tr- trying to late add me to the exam class this semester for the summer semester for a class that started three weeks ago. And we're still awaiting word if I have been added or not. It was great. The thing that will probably keep me, if anything, keeps me from pursuing higher education further than I already have is stories like that. I just don't understand if it's a prerequisite – why on your degree plan would you not put it in the semester before? But because they, they change those things all the time. Had, too. had I known this when I was registering, I could have registered for the class for this semester and it wouldn't have been a problem. But because their thing said, oh, yeah, take it in the fourth semester. I was like, oh, just take it in the fourth semester like the plan says. Because when you register for classes, at, like when I was at Austin P, you had an advisor you had to meet with and you had to talk to them and you look through the schedule and, all, and you like look at all the classes you have to take. For an online class, you don't have an advisor you meet with to register for classes every semester. You just tell them what you want. and then you No, know, I mean, I don't talk to anybody. I just go online, and I have the degree plan. I'm like, okay, I need to take this, this, yeah. and this, and I pick them, and I register, and wow. we get it going. Yeah, I, haven't, I mean, this is the first time I've called academic services because it's the first time I've had a problem. But uh, Dead gum academic services. No, 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 no. Academic services was great. They were great. It was the graduate people that denied me my prerequisite override. They, they were not as great. But they might late add me to the class and solve the problems. So whatever. Well, we're proud of how you handle adversity. Just uh, improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's what I did. Case, lately we've been talking mostly 
on this podcast about the things that we've watched on our TV. And now that we're in summer blockbuster season, or would be if anybody could go to a movie theater. There's also no new movies. There's also no good movies. But also, there, it's, it's a good time of year to watch absolutely trash, garbage movies that fill two hours. Uh, it's it's bubblegum for the mind. It does not matter. And I personally, my favorite of this genre is The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It is a rock stupid movie that drove Sean Connery from acting, and I love it deeply. I've never seen it. It is so bad. Okay. <laughs> it is. It is a, a ringing endorsement. It is a terrible, awesome movie, and I got to thinking about. What's what are some of the what are some of the other movies that may fit this bill? And my my examples and your examples may not be uh, may not match, but I had uh, Con Air. Also, never seen it. Jeez, Wild Wild West. Will Smith. Yeah, I know what it is. Never seen it. Armageddon. Oh, love Armageddon. National. It was in my top five uh, perfect movies we did. Oh my gosh, it was. I love Armageddon's a good movie. It's a trash movie. It's a great movie, but it's a trash. I movie. like. I like it. And. I also had uh, National Treasure. I love the National Treasures. I I don't love the second one as much. Where that's the one where they go in Washington's nose in the yeah yeah yeah. I'm not National Treasure three supposedly happening. Assuming we ever have uh, movies again, yeah. But uh, what 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 are what are some additions for you there? Um, I really like Little Big League, the baseball movie. Ooh, I love that movie. I so. It, it's one of my favorite baseball movies in general. And if anybody thinks Rookie of the Year is better than Little Big League, you're wrong. I think the part, it's an argument I see a lot. I think the part I love about Little Big League is that they used some actual players and some actual. Well, all the actors did act, did their own baseball. Like they had to learn how to play and everything. Yeah, like Lou Collins is actually swinging the bat and playing first base for the Twins. Um, no, I could watch Little Big League once a week. Um, if Inglorious Bastards is on TV, I'm going to watch it. Ooh, I can't call that a bad movie. Though. It's not that's a bad a, movie, that's though. That's the problem. Does it have to be a bad movie to be a guilty pleasure movie? I mean, I think so, yeah. I mean, who who's going to come in? If somebody comes in here and makes an argument that Inglorious Bastards is a... I mean, no, it's it's a, a great movie. A, a campy, disastrous movie. I'm... Mm, no, we will, we will fight. I like 300. Ooh, that's a good choice on this front because it's yeah. not it is mostly just blood and death. No, yeah, that's that's great. Oh. I'm trying to think. Would the Rambo movies be trash movies? The what? Rambo movies, those are fun to watch. Mm, yeah, probably because there's not It's just not shirtless Sylvester Stallone shoot I, people. I think I think I think the the thesis is that nothing is truly at stake for a a trash movie like you're not supposed to be changed or influenced by it you're not supposed to walk out of the theater having your life altered or reaffirmed you're supposed to go in and watch for two hours and then leave and get about your day just be entertained just be mindlessly entertained i see i'm trying to think of other movies like a lot of like i don't know no now i'm stuck on the try to think of other movies like rambo where it's just like oh yeah they just fought and killed people for two hours and that's fun the born movies kind of start to fall into this pattern after a while yeah 
I thought I thought the first one was a really. There's got to be some war movies in there. I don't know because I think a lot of a lot of the war movies have stories. And th- they have stories and they have detail and they they deal with a lot of big heavy issues that I, I can't handle in my guilty pleasure trash movies. I'm just gonna stick with Three Hundred and Little Big League. I know those are pretty good choices. Uh, the speech from Three Hundred. This this. Oh, I'm not even talking about. I'm talking about like right before that. Oh, uh, um, Leonidas is dead, and it's the number two guy giving the speech, right before they fight Xerxes. Yeah, that's. In, I mean, inspiring. Well, then it can't be a, a trash movie if you're inspired. Okay, well, I guess it's not really <laughs> inspiring, but uh, Casey's gonna have to go back and think more on this. Nothing like a bunch of English-speaking dudes pretending to be Greeks. Obviously, that's. I thought that's how Greek people spoke. Greek people didn't speak Greek? What? What, what do I know? Gladiator. I, I, no, Gladiator is an amazing movie. Okay, well, I, I see, I don't think it has to be a bad movie. I think it just has to be a movie that you enjoy watching. No, because a, nobody feels guilt over watching a great movie. Like, anybody who's like, well, Gladiator, I mean, I loved it, but I didn't feel, felt weird to love it. Like, nobody says that. I feel weird to be like, leave well, extraordinary gentleman. It's stupid. I love it deeply. <laughs> so all the Fast and Furious movies? They would probably qualify, yeah. Anything with The Rock? Probably, yeah. San Andreas? Oh, golly, yeah. Any, any of The Rock's action movies? I love The Rock. Hardest working actor in Hollywood. But uh, Jumanji, the Jumanji movies? You know, Sarah and I were talking about that the other day. We haven't seen the new Jumanji yet. We want to. There's two of them. So we went. There's Jumanji. There's a second one. There's a second of the The new new ones. ones. Yeah, yeah. They like made it like right after. Um, Oh wow. When I was at home for those two weeks, um, I don't know. We just we saw the first one on, and like we watched as like me, my dad, and my mom watched it, and it was like, all right, now we have to go rent the second one. Like we went and red boxed the second one the very next day. (laughs) Now we now. I mean, it's it's hard to miss with the cast of. I mean, it's The Rock, Kevin Hart, Jack Black. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and then to an unpopular opinion, Nick here. Jonas too. I have never liked anything Kevin Hart was in. What's the one he did? The Night School was kind of funny, but I, I, The Rock is the best actor. Jack Black's funny too. I don't love most of what Jack Black does. <sighs> I never got into School of Rock really. It's okay. I, I think he's funny, but. The the Rock is, the Rock makes it. He he is hilarious, and he is the hardest working actor in Hollywood. Don't let anybody else tell you anything different. You know who the hardest working person is around here? Who would that be? Well, it'd be Bud Jenkins, but that's not what's on the list here. Uh, The next bullet is to get in touch with Haley Meyer, also a hard worker for your community service stuff. Uh, She has the opportunities to see her for all that. Whatever you can do, do it right now and do it safely. And as you're doing it, or after you're doing it, or before you're doing it, get in touch, stay in touch with us via the web and social media. Casey, how do they do that? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, or follow along on our official Facebook account called Austin P. Governors. Um, if you want to see all the great work our friends Eric and Robin are doing, uh, check it out. Let's Go P.com for the dates, the news, and the stories that you should know about. Casey, Cody Bush, myself, holding it down on that end. And, hey, when we start these sports up in the fall, you're going to need tickets to come to games. How are you going to get tickets? You're going to get in contact with our ticket gurus, Katie Locke and her assistant, Jimmy John. They have all the information you can use to get in the game. 
and uh, saw the new Monocle Society member gifts today. Uh, pretty dope. Might want to join the Monocle Society just so you can get those and you can donate some money to our athletic department. Uh, get in contact with Katie if you want to do that, but uh, pretty sweet gifts, huh? Yeah, I liked them a lot. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast, five stars, five stars. And if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Provide us with guilty pleasure movies to peruse as quarantine drags on. Tweet us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself. Love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Right to portray.